What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Occasional Reviewer podcast, a show where Marina and myself review the occasional movie, sitcom, comment, food dish, conversation. Oh, maybe not conversation. Feel free to stop me at any time. I was like, when are you going to come in? <laughs> oh, I just had a flash forward to us reviewing each other's uh, meals. <laughs> Bradley, this is an 8 out of 10. It would have been a 9 out of 10. Hey, I'm happy with anything over the 5 over mark. Over the passing rate. Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy with an 8. Give me those 7s, yo. But let's be real, that's spaghetti bolognese. Mm. Yeah, that is a 9 and a half. Yeah, that's like my go-to. Uh, so today, we are going to be reviewing the Oscar shorts. Yes. And more specifically, the animation part of that whole equation yeah we'll at some stage get into the live action ones but as a good starting point uh, animation is always a lack of place to start off as yeah i was a little bit worried because i was thinking that it was going to be quite heavy in terms of the subject matter because you know oscar bait is a real thing yes so my perception of oscar <laughs> this is so this is so bad to say but my perception of Oscar-winning films are often not the films I would want to watch in my free time. So there's a lot of films, the moment they win an Oscar, the, the best picture, mm. I make a mental note of it that I need to watch it potentially on a day that, that I'm ready for a heavy topic. <laughs> Emotional to be, bruising. Yes, yes <laughs> to be <laughs> lashed at me. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. But I don't feel that way when it comes to cinematography. So oh, it, the okay. cinematography Oscar, I will, whatever it is, I'll watch it just because it'll look pretty. And the emotional bruising isn't that hectic. But the good news is I didn't feel any emotional uh, bruising. Trauma. No, trauma <laughs> at all after the, the Oscar shorts. In fact, I left the, the theater thinking, yeah, I'm in a good mood. Like I'm feeling yes. happy, positive. Let's start off with why the Oscar shorts, because that's a strange thing to review and to go and watch. So we live in Johannesburg, where there is this lovely movie cinema called Bioscope. And every year, around about the Oscar times, they actually show all the Oscar shorts in their cinema. They've got amazing pizza. Oh, yes. <laughs> so. It's one of my favorite things. You can, yes. And their popcorns as well. What I love about it is it's an independent cinema. So everything's got a kind of indie feel to it. And even the popcorn containers are those round popcorn containers that you see in films. So it really makes you feel like you are actively in a movie scene while you're there. Or at least that's my take. Yeah. I actually have to like sidetrack a little bit. Um, I'm actually really disappointed in the new popcorn containers in like a Sterkinikor or yes. where it's like just a paper bag. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> so, got to save the planet somehow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still on the fence about it because, yeah, yeah, it comes with its benefits, but it's so strange to... In defense of paper bag popcorn yes. holders, you can add your salt, close it and then shake it around but you could also distribute your salt and seasoning if they gave you the sachets separately 
Yeah, well, you I'm, kind of do it at the top, eat a flag at it. And you sprinkle. are a very patient person. I'm the guy that rocks <laughs> up at the movie probably five minutes late. Trailers have already started. And I just, hoy, salt, I go. I'm there for the trailers. <laughs> like, I don't care what movie it is. I'm there for the trailers. It's the best way to see mm. what to keep an eye out for. So oh, you did you watch the, the trailer for the Oscar shorts or not? Not at all. I wanted to go in there without any idea what the story is about i wanted to experience this full story from start to end did you watch the trailers not at all and also because it's part of our tradition i was just like this is going to be great we, yeah. we're going to enjoy it we might leave feeling a bit heavy but um yeah. most of the time they are quite impactful they'll leave something in your mind which i enjoy so the review of these shorts are going to contain some spoilers so if you intend on watching any of these before you listen to our opinion of it, then do it. Go and watch it, yeah. And if you don't feel like watching them, then spoilers ahead. <laughs> <laughs> or listen to our spoilers and watch them anyway because they're beautiful and they'll put you in yes. a jovial mood and uh, you can form your own opinion. Cool. So would you like to get straight into it and tell yes. tell everyone what your favorite was and uh, maybe we start with our least favorite because we we kind of agree on it and when i just went through the list i'm, I'm i think i'm changing my favorites <laughs> <laughs> okay cool i'm i'm interested to hear uh, what's changing Okay, so the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. So is this the least favorite that we yes. both agree on? Yes. 100%. So do you want to give a synopsis about this one? Yeah, basically, um, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. It's basically the tale of a boy that's lost. He's looking for home, and he encounters a mole, a fox, and a horse, and they kind of navigate this boy's journey towards home. And each character gives him a lesson. Yeah, that's that's about it. What type of style would you describe this as? Like for me, it was very sketchy. And like if you've seen the book in the shops, uh, animation was exactly the same. So what made this on a technical level really good is that it was traditional hand-drawn animation. So it wasn't digital. It was drawn out. How do so you see that when you're watching well, because it was mastered so well, you can't really tell. But in the style, what makes it beautiful is the lines of some of the uh, appendages of characters aren't fully fi uh, finished, and that's done mm -hmm. on purpose. And you can kind of see a pencil line um, in places or an outline where it shouldn't really be. And that's a, it happens like over three frames or four frames. So it's a very kind of subtle effect but uh, it looks it looks amazing. It looks beautiful. It looks yes. like the books. There was this uh, beautiful image where the boy is on, on the horse's back with the mole, and then the horse and the fox, they race or just run through the mm. snow, and they jump over this river. And it was just, it's such beautiful movements. It's just, it's really, really beautiful to watch. So if this is really beautiful to look at, why is it on both of our least favorite <laughs> lists? So the story to me was a bit long for a short. It was 34 minutes. Hmm. And also when I go watch a short, I do expect it to be almost targeted at a wide audience where, or almost a more grown-up audience. Where for me, it felt like this was... It was 
truly only aimed at kids? I don't know about that. Like for me, there were parts of it that resonated. So it started off and I loved it. And I saw the mole character and for our listeners, we're expecting a little human later on in life. And the mole character for me kind of symbolized this perfect father figure who is encouraging and kind and gentle and an optimist. And for me, or any viewer, you strap yourselves in and you will apply what you're seeing to your own life. Uh, I don't know if it's aimed strictly for kids. But like the way they spoke, it was very slow and it was very too too obvious the whole time. Yes. And instead of where it was aimed at more uh, older audience, then like you can kind of read through the lines. Actually, okay, so I agree with you because my biggest gripe, or two of them, is... One, the pacing of it was just way too long. Like it felt way too long. Yes. Uh, So much longer than it needed to be. So that's gripe number one. And then secondly, you mentioned it earlier, they are very prescriptive in how they bring the story across. And it's basically this kid learns a bunch of lessons along the way and they will be very obvious about it like the music swells and then it slowly dies down and a line is delivered perfectly with a message. And then we continue. So also another thing I hated about it, and maybe this is just me. Yeah, (laughs) Maybe this is me just being cynical and hating on corporates, but it was sponsored by Apple. So if you've got Apple plus, you'll be able to watch it on there. And, um, For me, the credits rolled at the end and it's like this massive group of people. Whereas one of the other shorts was literally a one-man band yeah, with one or two um, interventions from friends. However, maybe maybe we just have, we're very cold-hearted people (laughs) because like there was still a lot of people in the cinema that I saw kind of like getting emotional, kind of drying a tear. So this one just didn't land for me. Um, It Mm. was beautiful to watch this year's nomination uh, nominations for shorts were just brilliant 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 so yeah let's jump to our favorites and then we'll figure out the others okay cool for me my favorite short was called the flying sailor um, (laughs) directed by amanda forbes and wendy tilby and basically the synopsis is in 1917 two ships collided in the halifax harbor causing the largest accidental explosion in history Among the tragic stories of disaster is the remarkable account of a sailor who, blown skyward from the docks, flew a distance of two kilometers before landing uphill, naked and unharmed. So the flying sailor is a contemplation of his journey. And what resonated to me was the storytelling aspect of it was incredibly strong. It was visual It didn't need a lot of dialogue. And what I loved, like capital (laughs) L-O-V-E-D. spelling. (laughs) Was the integration of real world footage, but stylized in what you'd see in the period. So like a four by three smaller frame with a kind of film overlay effect on it, which made it just 
hits all the it resonated on all the emotional notes it needed to because as he's flying through the sky you see the story of his life and it's balanced like a coin for me you see all the positive aspects of life that he remembers um <laughs> and then you see all the negative aspects of life and it's literally like a slap in the face where where life knocks you down you you get up or when life gives you lemons you make lemonade and that culminates with him landing and um waking up beside a fish which interestingly shows the fragility for me of life and how precious it is and the very first shot you will see if you watch this short is of a fish swimming and the last shot isn't of the fish but i think it's about the second last shot so for me it's just this beautiful beautiful journey the animation style as well i loved i love so just expl- so you kind of explain the style in a technical manner for the non-technical person like me that doesn't understand four by three that's like how would you describe that so the animation itself sits in 16 by 9 or landscape (laughs) i know i know i know i'm I'm getting there (laughs) so so full screen think of a tv that's in your house right now it's basically a rectangle so the animation fills the rectangle Mm. and occasionally this animation breaks from the full frame rectangle and it puts it inside of a smaller almost square shape okay so it basically goes from full screen to a lot of black and then some uh imagery and i, l- I just loved it i loved the entire thing so you, you got distracted by the penis yeah <laughs> <laughs> so did i i think so did the whole audience okay so this short is seven minutes long it's really a quick story no dialogue which was cool so you're just sitting there experiencing those visuals mm. So beautiful, like explosion happens. This guy s- flies through the sky, mm. and during that, he sees a few flashes of his life, positive and negative. Yeah. With the flashes, it goes back to him again. That kind of like just gracefully circles in the middle of the sky. What I didn't like about it because his clothing burned off. You can see his his <laughs> <laughs> his full naked body fullness <laughs> um and he's it just became a bit distracting but i don't know I how, how they could have done it better well i think they were trying to be true to the story right yes. because he landed naked I, I get that i think they could have shied away from showing as much as I they think did they should have turned him a bit more so yeah. it's kind of like that austin Powers scene where it's kind of like covered most <laughs> of the time yeah. instead of in your face the whole time the other downside for me was that it didn't show enough of his life I almost would mm. have liked to see a few more scenes. Yeah. But it was beautiful. But for me, it's on the fourth place. Yeah, which is yeah. which is cool. And that's what I dig about this is I think everyone will walk out with their own favorite. Yes, yes. And that's what makes it so good. So for you, are you going to go for your favorite now? Yes. My favorite is an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it. Cool. Okay. So it's 11 minutes long. This is a stop motion setup. And for people that don't know what stop motion is, it just means that there's these clay figures or something like that they keep taking photos of and later on overlay the photos so it becomes a moving object. And they make a full series out of it. And 
I know nothing about these things, but I've heard that these these clay stop motion stuff takes so long to do. That's incredibly time yeah. intensive, yeah. Especially if you zoom into a face that moves and speaks. The fact that it needs to make the round mouth and mm. it, you need to keep taking those photos just takes very long. So, yeah. So the synopsis is there's a young telemarketer. He's having a bad sales month. And at night, he's confronted by a mysterious talking ostrich, which tells him that the universe is a stop motion animation and that he must put aside his dwindling toaster sales and focus on convincing his colleagues of this terrifying discovery. So maybe I'll jump into why I like this so much. Yeah, please. So the story was about a guy working hard in a corporate world and he just not keeping up with what he needs to do. And then suddenly his world basically changes and like it's just shaken so off off his axis that he doesn't know what what to do and where to go next. Um, with this ostrich telling him things are weird. Yeah. And what I did like about it is that this character breaks the fourth wall by opening a cupboard in the scene and exiting <laughs> the, the set. The, the set. So he then falls into what the creators have set up, the different faces, and and it looks to him like a horror scene. Mm-hmm. This ends up being like just a normal story being told of a guy in an office, and it turns into a little bit of a horror. Yes. <laughs> horror. So what I liked about it was the change in tone. The fact that it, and then this hand kind of like grabs the character and puts him back into the seat and there he wakes is no up. Escape. Yeah, I think I liked it because it was just silly, hmm. and I kind of resonated with the idea of being like your life is kind of a specific way, hmm. and then you kind of throw in a little bit of a curveball and you're like, what What's happening? Is this real? Is it not? And then you kind of get back into it. It was just lovely. It is one of my favorite kind of storytelling tropes, I guess, in that. You have a character whose whole world or universe is turned upside down when they learn that not everything is as it seems. And examples to me include Neo in The Matrix. Oh, and in our very real world, simulation theory, thinking that uh, we're living inside of a computer simulation. Like we're just Sims walking around or Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We're just trying to, we're a supercomputer that's been invented to find the question. Uh, to the answer of what is the meaning of life. That's always why I like um, conspiracy theories. I don't believe any of them. Mm. But it's so interesting to think that there are people that have these weird conspiracy yes. things, as theories that there is the Illuminati yeah. like navigating and running the world. And Birds aren't real. That's yes. my favorite. And this whole new <laughs> alien thing, you know, like aliens everywhere. Oh, man, I'm putting on my tinfoil hat for that. <laughs> I'm just like, where are these UFOs at, hombre? <laughs> we'll signs it and just put water glasses everywhere. Yes, yeah. <laughs> ah. Swing away, Jack. I don't, I don't even think his name was Jack. No, I don't think swing it's away. Yeah. Swing away. Anyway. So where does this one rank for you, this short? I'd put this at number three because... Uh, the the next one, or maybe we'll save the best for last. Yes. Or the second best for last. <laughs> Look, I enjoyed it. Uh, for me, I just found it distracting the framing, the very obvious choice of making the audience aware of the fact that this is a stop motion film. You kind of see the process unfold in the background. And as an audience member, you are viewing this on a monitor in a studio setup. 
And for me, I thought, cool, this is a great kind of in to the movie, but it, it stayed that way. And that only breaks that frame twice. And it happens at kind of interesting times in the narrative, but I just, after a while, found it quite distracting. And I would have appreciated like a jump into that world where we with the character 100% and when he realizes, oh, flip, things aren't as they seem, or when he falls off the table, we back out and seeing it in that environment and yeah. then seeing the hand come in. Everyone's going to have a different opinion. And what I love, love, love about this is this was kind of the one-man band I was talking about. So really not a lot of people in the credits on this one. Um, it was directed and written by an Australian called Lachlan Pendragon. <laughs> what is the name? I love it. Or Lachlan. Lachlan Pendragon. <laughs> I probably butchered your name, but I'm, yeah, I really appreciate your movie, man. I, I would be curious to know how long it took him to make this 11-minute short. Ooh. My guess is a solid, like, freaking yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah. That's actually what is interesting about the framing of seeing it in the studio monitor is you see in every scene, you see the amount of frames required. So that number that was in the top left corner, yes, flipping I up from one that. to like 500, that's how many frames are required per scene. And you just see this number going, and you're aware as a viewer that for each frame, there's a human going in, adjusting a mannequin or a prop making sure it looks cool, taking a photo, comparing it to the previous two, and then going, yes, no, cool. And then the next one. It is, yes, I actually, just from a craft perspective, I admire the form. Yes. And I have to say that I am surprised that they didn't lazy out and use too many scenes where there wasn't a lot of motion. Mm. Because I almost expected that to be the case, and it wasn't. It was full movement, background movement, yeah. so much, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was very well done. Cool, so that was your favorite. So for me, my number three, and tell me if yours yeah. is the same, is Ice Merchants. Correct, mine as well. So this, I think, is going to win the Oscar. And the reason I say this is just the style of it is beautiful. It kind of looks like a pen kind of artwork for me it reminded me of um those comic strips that were printed slightly off balance so that you can see the red dots on it oh right yes like when i saw it it reminded me of old newspapers or comic strips where that uh, just colors a little bit off balance where you can see the different elements hmm. so it had a bit of more of a red orange tint to it the whole thing yeah but it was beautiful, yeah. So, yeah, stylistically great story, very interesting. And there's a moment of tension where you as the viewer go, <gasps> oh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it, it resolves beautifully. And this is another, like, massive collaboration. So people credited here are Portugal, United Kingdom, France, and uh, this for a 14-minute short. So a lot of heavy hitters and countries being represented, yes. surprisingly. So it's directed by Joao Gonzalez. The synopsis goes, Every day, a father and his son jump with the parachute from their cold house attached to a cliff to go to the village on the ground far, far away where they sell the ice they produce daily. So 
that's basically the story. Yeah. <laughs> the end. We can all go home. <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of see this father-son dynamic of hard work going up every day with buckets of water, waiting overnight for it to be frozen as the son kind of keeps himself busy swinging from a, a cliff. And you're made to feel very safe. So the first time I saw that visual, I was like, oh, I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling safe. But it's kind of a repeated visual motif that makes you as the viewer feel safe on the cliff. And finally, when something does go wrong and there's a snap and the parachute <laughs> gets lost, you as the viewer are just going, oh, no. You feel the very real yes. danger. You feel like you're on the swing and about to kind of confront your own mortality. There's a beautiful sub-narrative that gets introduced through imagery of mugs where you can tell that they had lost a maternal figure in the family and her color was yellow. And their colors are red, right? Yeah, red. Yeah. So every time they jump, you only see and live in their world, almost majority of their world, mm. which is this house on the cliff that live there with the hooks and the strings. It almost reminds me of that that little house on the cliff for a series of unfortunate events yes, where yeah. the, the kids go and this, this cliff is just hanging on a thread. But then later on you realize that the house is home for them, it is safe for them, mm. and then... Every time they have to jump down with this this frozen block of ice <laughs> to go and sell, they keep losing their hats. So every time mm. they go down, it's these hats that fly off. And then they sell and they make money from the ice. And then they buy a new spare of hats and they go up the night to, to go stay in this home that is in a sub-zero area. So the water can freeze again and... It repeats the whole time. And they keep buying hats. And you as the viewer go, well, this is a weird quirk. Cool. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but the payoff is great because eventually the protagonist father figure makes a decision and jumps off the cliff backwards and just embraces their death. And it's like this really sad. Wait, before you go to the, the, that part, like what, just explain what caused that to happen to beat them to be in that bad situation so we're watching a thermometer which gives us a sense of time uh, and through the thermometer we can see whether or not it's uh, freezing outside and there'll be ice or not and eventually the thermometer and the temperature rises above the zero degree mark and it goes above one and the ice doesn't freeze anymore uh, a whole bunch of ice above them on the top of this cliff melts and it causes a landslide which then breaks one of the tethers to the mountain and puts them in a very dangerous and precarious situation uh, they lose their parachute and there's literally no choice and yeah this father figure kind of takes the son and they kind of em embrace what's going to be death and they head over backwards and fall off of the cliff and on their way down they encounter this maternal mother figure who kind of like embraces them in hugs and you as the viewer are like oh no this sucks they're all gonna be reunited but in <laughs> death what a horrible film i'm gonna be sad emotional bruising emotional <laughs> bruising <laughs> but the good news is 
they land on a pile of these hats that have kept falling off of them every time they jump. And what was quite beautiful is this mound of hats that saves them is made up of the red ones, which we're familiar with as a viewer, and then you see the yellow ones kind of embedded in this mound and you're just reminded of like that maternal love or they did this as a family and it's beautiful. I'm tearing up now. So less emotional bruising and just kind of emotion, man. Like, and you as the viewer, me at least, I got a sense of, you know, we do stuff for cash, we work, but at the end of the day, what really matters is connection and the humanity and love. Like, that's all we got. Yeah, I also got a sense that this um, this dad is just doing, like, living day by day, doing what he can. Hmm. So you do get a sense that, uh, like, every, like, it does a quick flush on a few days. And it shows the, the temperature, the water refill, the jump, the buying that, coming up again, refill. So you can get, you get the sense that everything is kind of in this fine balance. Hmm. So during that halfway through, you do start wondering, like, is this their life day in, day out? Or is there, like, if one of the elements gets thrown off, that they are a little bit off balance the whole time? Mm. So seeing that house also then, like, getting lost, unfortunately. Yeah. It was just so sad. But beautiful. Yeah. Like a, a melancholy. And then at the end, they, when they land in this pile of hats, they both just put on a hat and they walk off and they're happy. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful shorts, great movie. And I think the reason I said it would win the Oscar is because there is no dialogue. Everything is visual. Yes. It's beautifully done. Stylistically, oh, it's, it's, it's just go watch it. Just look at it. It's, yes. it's a thing of beauty. So why I might counter you on, on this film winning Mm. is I think the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse will win. And (laughs) I can see you frowning there. Why? (laughs) Um, I I suspect because of the popularity of the book. So I don't know. I don't think it's going to win, but I really hope it does. The one that was last up, which made me incredibly happy, and the entire audience watching with us were literally laughing out loud. Yes. Um, wait, 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 before it even starts, it gives you a warning to be like, we're going to put an intermission yes. here. Anyone and with young children, <laughs> leave now. Get out, run. And, and, we and, I, and we were just looking at each other being like, oh, we need to strap ourselves in for like this Emotional bruising. <laughs> <laughs> Click. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, like, I think meanwhile, it was uh, just a bit uh, visual, potentially. No, it wasn't. No, the subject matter. I think that's oh, all, that's all it's about. Okay, but it was lovely. Anyway. <laughs> so this one, and it's, a, it's strange that this wasn't my favorite. Maybe I'll change it to my favorite. Maybe this will tip the flying sailor off my number one list. I've reevaluated. Uh, is it? Yeah, this does is my number one. So just to be clear, does everything shift the position or is it no, just a switch? No, this is just a switch between one and two for okay, me. Okay, okay. Um, so my number one is called... <laughs> <laughs> yes, say it, go for it. Oh, they're probably family listening to this. But my number one is called My Year of Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, directed by Sarah Yo. I'm not even going to pr- 
try to pronounce your surname. I'm sorry. Hey, I have to. Sarah Ganarstotir. Oh, that's and nice. written by Pamela Ribbon. So the synopsis is an imaginative 15-year-old is stubbornly determined to lose her virginity despite the pathetic pickings in the outskirts of Houston in the early 90s. <laughs> so it's created by Pamela Ribbon from her critically acclaimed memoir called My Year of Dicks. 25 minutes, it's quite long for a short. But it feels short because the tonality of it yes. is beautiful. There's a humor and a, a grace about it that I really loved. And the style kept changing. They split it up into four or five chapters. Mm. So each kind of love target or love story was its own chapter. Mm. And uh, because the the new person or the new interest also changed with uh, animation style. I liked it. I, like it, did, like you said, it felt like it was moving a lot quicker. Yeah, I stylistically, I think they kept it in the '90s. So a famous kind of uh, cartoon that came out way back when was called Beavis and Butthead. And mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I never watched it. <laughs> fire! Fire! <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to do. <laughs> I'm not going to do an impression. Hang on, wait. Maybe I'll try. But what was that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's Beavis and Butthead. That is the film. Maybe we'll review Beavis no, and Butthead. No, we won't. No, we won't. <laughs> but stylistically, it, it reminded me of that and a lot of kind of things that you would see in the 90s. But the tone of it was amazing. For me, it felt as refreshing as Juno did when it came out. So yes. Juno, that kind of levity or brevity of writing mixed in with just honesty was really refreshing at the time. And now if you watch Juno, it kind of feels a bit dated. Whereas this, I think I can watch in 20 years. Maybe we'll watch it with our daughter because there's <laughs> chapter three, The Talk. Oh, no. That was, oh. <laughs> a terrible chapter. Um, and you as the audience are cringing and the whole audience you can feel. I did the kind of like curl up into a little ball yes. in the seats and you could feel everyone around you doing the same thing. So, so that chapter starts with um, her asking, so her and her mom um, unpacking boxes and uh, in the garage and she sees a love letter and the mom snatches it away mm. and she's like oh my mom also used to be in love oh then, it used to be a human yeah yeah and then she asks <laughs> the mom um when did you lose your virginity and then the mom goes like cold and she's 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 she shouts something at the child <laughs> oh, probably like a what yeah. and then the next thing door opens door slams and she's sitting in front of the dad <laughs> yes and it's like your dad wants to speak to you <laughs> very awkward it's so cringe but really well done and then this dad is this dry like like as he speaks like this and you can see he is just a psychologist or something or a doctor very practical i just say the most boring man in the world yes. that's that's the vibe i got like your everyday which, which i suppose is, is a bit of the the like it's exaggerated from from the 15 year old's perspective exactly and now this now this dad is going to start having a chat to to this daughter about <laughs> this the, the 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 talk and you can and during the during this talk, the visuals that they focus on is her nails. 
uh, for a second and her nails starting to bleed. And you can she looks like a melted doll. Yeah, sometimes sad. she explodes and like... <laughs> yes, so it's just... So, so, and then every time like it, it, it focuses on her, her reaction to it and how she physically changes. And in the background, you still kind of hear the dad, but you just hear... It's just cringy. It's so brilliant. So I think the writing was just so incredibly strong. That to me, yeah, absolute favorite. Thinking back at it now, there's so many moments of levity and fun. It just started off like on the right, on the right <laughs> With note. the vampire. <laughs> vampire. Oh, I love it. Please explain the vampire. The vampire is basically a goth kid who's too cool for school, who <laughs> sucks at skating. And the thing that she's most impressed with by him is the fact that he cuts his nails in a triangular shape. So they're pointy. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. And where he falls and he bleeds a tiny bit. And he's like, yes. and she's like, oh, are you okay? And he's like, I like blood. <laughs> yes. Uh, they get invited to a house party and he enters and he has kind of superhuman speed through the door when disappears. So I like my bow ends or, or book ends thematically like if you introduce a topic you end it so oh, okay. like the the flying sailor kind of the fish at the beginning the fish at the end and each chapter was so well-rounded where you get introduced to the vampire and that's resolved um you see the nails and he as a defense mechanism kind of like hurts her with the nail you mentioned it earlier, I think that's a point I didn't even consider, is that all of these characters that we as the viewer are experiencing are from her perspective. Yes, but with that you can see the mannerism of she views whatever these guys do as the coolest thing yeah. on earth. Yeah. And But you can also, as the viewers, see that that's so cringy. That is yes. so... It's teenage. So, that's so it's, awkward, the yes. movements and what they do and what they say. And It, it took me back to being a lanky teenager. Like, <laughs> I felt like a zit-covered freak with my long, <laughs> disproportionate arms <laughs> walking around, skulking and stalking the halls of... Mondial high. <laughs> yeah. There's like the humorous tones. Like, so they try and, like, it gets probably a bit serious in the sense that obviously she wants to lose her virginity. And then, like, the vampire character, they start making out. And she's like, by the way, I just want to tell you, um, I'm on my period. And then it's just like, there's this door closes Switch, yeah. out easy. <laughs> and it's ironic because it's like a vampire that can't handle a bit of blood. <laughs> But also, just in terms of the entire thing, like throughout the chapters, her attitude to sex actually changes. Yes. And that's what I, that, that honesty and being able to go, yes, I just want to get laid by this vampire. It's almost like that scene in the, like in the cinema where they go to the cinema. Yes. Yeah, and then she starts making out with this dude and a part of her really wants to do it and a part of us like, oh, I don't know if this is the right time exactly and they did such a good job of kind of showing her inner world versus what's actually going on and it's kind of like fantasy mixed with reality and when her fantasies are telling her girl you gotta go it's it's quite powerful and towards the end you can see each chapter diminishes in terms of kind of sexual strength or acuity yes and 
towards the end, it's not about sex, it's about love or uh, trust. And it was just a beautiful ending. You feel like, yay, what a, what a nice little story. Maybe, so just explain the ending. So all along these chapters, you see a kind of best friend who's been there all along. And eventually he kind of has enough courage to let her know how he's feeling. And he stands naked in front of her, vulnerable, and starts reading like teenage poetry. <laughs> and uh, eventually... He doesn't even get halfway through his poetry. He just kind of like bursts out laughing and then feels the kind of shame. And he uh, <laughs> asks for some clothing. And she then just keeps layering on these clothes and layering on these clothes. And eventually he's in this like igloo of, of clothes. And she then asks if she can come into his kind of like cocoon, if he's feeling less embarrassed or safe. And uh, she then enters this cocoon of clothing and it's more kind of, an intimacy that's not sexual. Yes. And it's beautiful. And also where this, um, where I enjoyed this ending of it is that in one of the previous chapters when her heart got broken by one of the other guys, he was there to, to console her. And then she's like, oh, why don't I just choose you? And she tries to make out with him. And he kind of says, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is fine. So you're kind of left with this feeling of, they they want to be together, but they almost forced it a little bit. Mm. And then at the end, because they took a step back and were like, this is actually like cool. It, then, then it, it felt like the hormones got kind of taken out yes. and also the animation style isn't exaggerated. So thinking back on it now, in every single chapter, you have these hyper real exaggerations of how she's feeling as a character so with the talk she's exploding or like her nails are peeling off or whatever <laughs> and with the vampire you see him as a vampire uh, with the year of cute it goes into like this anime style and you feel cute and you see cute and that last chapter is just them in the room like having this raw authentic honest beautiful moment of connection and intimacy and it's not sexual and i loved that i also really liked it it won't make my top top spot mm. because it felt more like a book because it obviously was based on a book this longer story form but i loved it i think a book done well and yes. way better than the boy the mole the fox <laughs> and the horse because every every second was considered thought through and yes entertaining i suppose it's because it was more comedy only comedy focused that i wouldn't want to give it the win necessarily because again i associate oscars with like unless you're crying at the end it's yes. worth it. yeah. um, i think we're gonna be in for one heck of a ride when we uh, do the next podcast and review the oscar shorts live action films because mm. those tend to get very dark very heavy i don't know last year last year's ones were very beautiful but yeah like i so said just to wrap it up do you have so after years and years of watching shorts is there one that stands out particularly for you still to this day that's in my brain i can't think of the name but yes there's an animation that was telling the story visually of someone dealing with dementia 
or Alzheimer's. That is mine as well. I think it was two years ago. Such a beautiful story. It's how these memories are kind of formed. And I think the, the style was with a watercolor and they made use of colors for different people and emotions. And you kind of see how these memories are just liquid and fluid and slipping away. And all of this is done when she stirs a cup of coffee and it goes down and she goes down that train and then she's like pulled back to reality and she sees something in the room and it pulls her back into the... Hello, cat. (laughs) I think she's having a conversation with her daughter. Yeah. So that's only what you find out right at the end when she goes through all of these journeys and then at some stage this nurse just keeps helping her and this nurse helps her here. And then at the end, she's like, oh, wait, you're my daughter. And uh, it was so beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, just so, so good. We have a cat on the table. So this the short's name is Late Afternoon. And it says here, it brings the power of memory to life. Beautiful. That still is so powerful. And it resonates on... So many levels for me. The fact that we remember it two years later just stands the test of time. Mm. Yeah, we've got a cat now bumping into every <laughs> single microphone on this table. <laughs> if this if this recording suddenly cuts out, just know that this cat probably stood on something. Yes. Key component or a power cable. Yeah. Thanks for giving the occasional reviewer a listen. And we look forward to chatting to you in the next episode. Hopefully you guys also brave the weather and the load shedding power outages and go and check out the short farms at Bioscope. It really is it really is worth the time and the delicious pizza. So it's worth food. it just for the food, yo. But yeah, do it. Um, if you're not based in Joburg, uh, maybe the Labia down in Cape Town will have something similar. But uh, yeah, enjoy it. Go watch these films. They are fantastic. Definitely. 